introduce two people by name. I certainly won't embarrass them and call them out. But I met a man this morning in the parking lot, and I checked his face. I said, I don't know this guy, but let me call him to me. So I kind of probably came across a bit arrogant. Hey, you come to me. So I thought, oh, let me walk up to him. So we met each other halfway, and this big guy, you don't want to mess with him. And so uh, he, he was with his daughter last night, and his daughter and him were chatting. And so his daughter, Stella, uh, invited her dad, Terence. He's saying, why am I embarrassed? You don't know where the oak is, but it's great to have Terence here today. So welcome there, my bud. Nice to meet you. I'm not looking at him. Don't worry. He's somewhere there. Don't worry where he is. <laughs> and then uh, I want to I welcome my, my neighbors here this morning. I never, I never thought that they would come when my, my neighbor, Tyler, and Diego, and Belinda, when they would be in church with us today. And so my wife says to me, don't, uh, don't embarrass them because they might not come back. <laughs> and then she says, if you say that, then you're going to embarrass me and she won't come back. <laughs> but uh, it's great to have you, Diego. I don't know where you're sitting in my boat with Tyler and, and Belinda, but you guys are incredible neighbors. and We love you. And... Uh, that Husqvarna off-road motorbike of yours, Diego, the one that you're making holy, you're burning the hell out of it around the garden there, bud. Yeah, that's a proper bike, that thing. Great to have you with. And so this is the visitors and everyone here. Make sure you get a free cappuccino after the service. The code will be BOCA. So you, uh, you get a free cappuccino if you're visiting for the first time today. I want to tell you, although my neighbors, they, uh, they choose the wrong soccer team, let me tell you about my son and his soccer. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he supports Spurs, but I'm talking about his soccer at school. So he plays school soccer, and so they start off the season, and the, the new coach comes, and at the very first practice, just stands on the side of the field, watch, watches them play, play a game, and, and then he, he, at the end of the game, he calls my boy, and he says to him, you need to change position. He says... Uh, you no longer must play in the position that you are playing in. You need to play left back. He says you were designed to play left back. He says you are left footed. He says you've got so much potential to kick that ball up on the left and get it up for the guys to score. He says you need to change position. And when I thought of this story about my son and his new coach, I thought, wow, that's what we're trying to do at Freedom Church, friends. We're trying to take the gospel and through the power of the gospel, get you to reach your full potential in the position that Christ wants you to be in. We want to use the gospel to unleash what God has put inside of you. And you're saying, okay, so that means you're the coach, eh, Daryl? No, no, Jesus Christ is the coach. You say, okay, well, I guess in Daryl's the captain of this. No, no, no. Jesus is the captain. I'm the water boy. Because I don't know how to really play soccer, and I'm not perfect, and I'm walking in my Christian faith, and I'm bringing the water on at half time, and I'm encouraging us as a team to unleash the power of the gospel. I cannot stand up here and preach a, a tickling ear message that's going to motivate you for the week. I can't do that. I have to bring the power of the gospel to transform our lives here at Freedom Church. So I want to pray today. Graham, who's going back to Germany. Terence from Germiston. My neighbors, each one of us. Jack, who can we ask to pray today that the gospel changes our lives? And that we put our coach, Jesus Christ, head of our lives. Why don't you pray, but? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you that you're a real God. Thank you, God, like that song says, you take us as you find us, God. Thank you that you're making us, transforming us. We give you our lives. Lord, make us Christ-like. Holy Spirit, take control, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that was a very special prayer. So if you're visiting for the first time, we are in the book of Acts. I'd love you to open your Bible to the book of Acts. We are busy in this series. G's got a, uh, that's a, it's a series called To Be Continued. Because when Jesus went back to heaven to be with his father, the, the new way of doing church was started. It was birthed into this world. And so we want to see how we can continue to be led by Jesus to build this church on earth that he wants us to build. And so we're going to look at Acts chapter 4. My goodness, I've always battled with this story that we're going to read. I've never understood it. I've never thought, what's the meaning? What's the plot? What's the theme? What's the thread? Why is this story that we're about to read in the Bible? My mate Adrian in uh, Stellenbosch, he planted a church a couple of years ago. And so he's helped me through a message he preached to understand this text. And so I want to just share with you this story today that, that has gripped me. We uh, need to say up front, this message is not about money. Okay, so tell your dad, Diego, you're coming for the first time. You're scared, hey, I'm not coming back to this. Not about money. You have to understand that right from the beginning. Okay, we, we're going to read the, the last few verses of chapter 4 from verse 32. You got it there on your Bible app there, boy. It says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. That's very beautiful. Eh? All the believers sitting in this new church were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was their own. So they've actually understood the car that they've driven to church in, or the bicycle that they've ridden this morning, or the motorbike that they're climbing on later, doesn't belong to them. None of their possessions actually belonged to them. They belong to God. They've understood this now. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. That's an incredible phrase, hey? God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them. And if we are going to play a role in this new church here at Freedom Church, we are going to need much of God's grace as we do this. Amen? There was no needy person among them. It's amazing, eh? In their church community, in this school hall that God is busy putting together in this family, there was no needy person among them. There's a lot of need in our community in Benoni, and you're thinking, heck, how are we going to be involved in the community? Well, let's start, let's start here. In our family that God has put together, there was no needy person among them. Who's got a need? And you say, I'm too embarrassed to share with Freedom Church. I'm too embarrassed because I've got needs. A man messaged me. He said, I don't have money for my family for groceries. Can you help? There are needs here. And this text is saying that there was no needy person among them. Friends, we're going to play a role in making sure that all our needs here in this family are met. But we've got to know about them. Share with us. Oh, I don't have your number. Facebook. Here's the, get hold of us. Because we want to make sure that we as a family here are helping each other. There was no needy person among them. Let's start here. 
in the church that God is busy building. You're saying, okay, well, I guess now you're on it. You're telling me I'm going to sell my land or my house? No, 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 no. Nobody's asking you to do that. So, so this text is giving us a, a real understanding of what a real, genuine, radical, authentic community is all about when God puts people together. Welcome to church. How's your selfless living going? I'm speaking to myself here. Eh? How's our selfless living going? Yeah, Luke gives us two examples in this text that we read of what happens in the church. There's this good example in verse 36. Let's read about it. There was Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Barney is this incredible guy. Eh? He plays a massive role in the building of this Jesus church. He's a great encourager. And he, he sells a piece of land. He brings it and he lays it down at the apostles' feet. He, he walks out. He, he doesn't want the glory. He does things way different to the ways of the world. Eh? With, with your colleagues at, at, at school. Eh? But they do, do, do things differently to the way we do things. How do you know when someone in the world does something? They'll tell you. Yeah, well, they'll tell you. Barnabas, he doesn't do that. Way different to the ways of the world. Then, then we read in chapter 5, verse 1. Now a man, and we think, okay, so it's a different story. Now we've stopped the one and we're starting a new one. No, no. The ESV version says, but a man. So, so Luke is giving us two comparisons here. He's saying, in a community, in the school hall at Freedom Church, there's an Exhibit A, Barnabas, and then there's another example, Exhibit B, Ananias and Sapphira. And he's comparing, he's contrasting these two different examples. So that's the first one, Barney. Let's have a look at the second one. But a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira. So the husband and wife, they make a decision together. Matt, when you make decisions, but I challenge you to make decisions together with Alex, your wife. The Westner decision. It's like a lady would say, I bought a handbag. I didn't want to tell my husband. I put it in my cupboard for a couple of months. And then I pulled it out one day and my husband said, ah, oh, nice handbag. No, I've had it for a while. Because <laughs> she didn't want to involve her husband in making the decision to buy the handbag. Yeah, it's true. I don't know why you're laughing there, but I'm not teaching the tricks here, but when you're wanting to buy that new bicycle, guys, or a new pair of running shoes, don't buy them now for comrades, but my point is, involve your wife. Hey, say to your husband, I've checked this handbag. Come and look at it. And guys, go with her. Make that decision. Babes, this is the new bike I'm thinking of buying. This is why I'm thinking of buying it. It's complete. Get buying from your wife. Make decisions together as husband and wife. There's power in making decisions together as a couple. But for goodness sakes, make sure that you make a decision where God is at the center and he's involved. Because I don't know if God was involved in this decision that they're making together as husband and wife. And a nice and Sapphira. Together with his wife, Sapphira... They also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter says to Ananias, how is it 
that Satan has so filled you and your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the lamb. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You haven't just lied to human beings, but you've lied to God, Ananias. And when he heard this, he fell down and died. I don't think that was the result that Ananias was expecting, eh, Tyler? I mean, he brings this to the church, then he falls down and dies. I mean, he's expecting his moment of glory, moment to shine. So, So what the heck is going on here? Because it says, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young, strong men from the gym. Duncan and your mate, what's your name, but? Donovan. Stand up for a quickly second. Duncan and Donovan, some young, strong men from the gym. They walked in, thanks guys, and they carried out the body of Ananias through the door. What's going on here? I'm like, this is where I don't understand the story. I mean, let's just say that Ananias had a piece of property in Rhinefield, and he sells it for 40,000 denarii, because I don't really know how much property was going in those days. And so he sells it for 40,000 denarii, keeps 20, he gives 20,000 to the church. I mean, flip. That's, that's quite amazing, eh? If you sell a property for 40,000, you keep 40,000 for yourself. I mean, that's a normal business transaction. But yeah, this oak, Ananias, he's taken half and he's given it to the church. I mean, it's amazing, but it's quite incredible, eh? There's this one liner we've got to look at. It says there, he kept back. He kept back. And so what we draw from this story is that he made a promise before God that he was going to give all the money to the apostles and laid at their feet. He, he made that promise. He said, we'll bring the full amount and give it to the church. But then he says, you know what? Actually, I'm going to keep half and, and I'm going to give half to the church, but I'm going to tune them. It's the full amount. I'm going to tune them. I gave everything because I want to get the same glory like Barney got. I want that glory for myself. And he gets struck down and dies because he wanted people to say, Jeepers, but you are the man. You've sold that property and run. You've given everything to, you are incredible. Just like he wanted that glory. Let's carry on reading here. It gets quite exciting now. About three hours later. So if you thought you're having an hour service here today with the bra later, you're lying. But we're here for three hours. Long service, eh? About three hours later, I'm not too sure what Sapphira is busy doing. Because she might have been at the hair salon, at the beautician, sorting out her nails and her hair, choosing an outfit. Because she's going to come into church in this school hall, in this family, in this community of believers. And it's her moment to shine because she's got the glory now because of what she's done, selling the property and giving everything to the church. And so she comes into the church three hours later. Very incidentally, Sapphira's name. Do you know what it means there, hey, Mark? Sapphira's name means beautiful. So not only was she beautiful, but she was drop-dead gorgeous. And if you don't catch that now, Chaz, hold on, I'll give you a story as to why I say that there. About three hours later, Ananias walks in, not knowing what had happened. Pete asks her, tell me, Sapphira, is this the price that you and your husband Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. 
That is the price. That's the full price. I can imagine us sitting here and she get, gets asked the question and you're like, ah, don't say that. Because you know what's just happened to a hubby. So, so let's just read. She says, yes, that 20,000, it's the full price that we got for the land. He says, how, Sophia, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of Donovan and Duncan, they are still standing at the door because they took your husband's body and they've buried him. At that, then the young CrossFit Planet Fitness guys from the gym, she dies as well. She comes and dies. They came in as well, finding her dead. They too carried her out and buried her beside her husband. She too fell down and died. So just to put you at ease today, we are not taking an offering after the service, okay? Because it's got absolutely nothing to do with money and no one's telling you to sell your possessions. But I want to cover quick three things this morning, friends. I want to talk about, number one, the schemes of Satan. The schemes of Satan. Then I want to talk about the sin of the saints. And then I want to talk about the cleansing of Christ. So, so let's get straight into the schemes of Satan. Because Satan always has, a, always has a scheme that he's planning against the church. He has a scheme that he's planning against Freedom Church and the churches of Christ. I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the devil. I don't want to give him glory. That's not you. I want to speak Jesus today, friends. But I want us to understand that there is an enemy. The enemy works in three specific ways. Last week we saw how the enemy uses even church leaders to get the witnesses of Jesus, Peter and John. He uses even the church leaders to get them to shut up and to stop speaking about the name of Jesus. These church leaders from last week, we've realized they, they've got power, they've got influence, they've got money, they're building the church. And these two witnesses come and they speak about a far bigger power, the name of Jesus. That's way more powerful than the church and the church leaders. And these are the church leaders are starting to feel intimidated. They're starting to feel insecure because they're losing power and control over the people. And so they are used by the enemy. Can you believe it? The enemy will use church leaders to get the witnesses to shut up. He doesn't want us to speak the name of Jesus. And so he'll do whatever he can to get us to shut up here in the marketplace and not speak the name of Jesus. We've got to understand that, friends. And then, and then today we're going to see the second way of him scheming against us, the, the church. In chapter 5, he tries to get us to sin. So he has got Ananias and Sapphira to sin. We're going to see how this was sin and what they did led to sin. And then in a few weeks' time, we'll see the third way of how Satan gets to us. He gets us busy. He gets us busy with things, stress, pressure, and he stops us from doing the things of God. Now, what does that mean? I get so busy during the week. Must I go to prayer meeting? Must I do this? No, no, just spend time with your wife. Satan gets us busy. He stops getting us to do the things of God, but that's not for today. So that's what he does. The enemy gets us to shut up why are you laughing when I say shut up? That's how you say shut up. <laughs> the enemy gets us to shut up, not speak about the things of God. He gets us to sin, and then he gets us busy. And he keeps doing these things. 
these three, three things gets, he, he does them over and over and over and over. He's the, mono, he's the master of copy and paste. Because he's seen the results that he gets when he does this. And so I'll ask you today, keep those on the board there, G. Enemy wants us to shut up and not speak Jesus. Yeah? Out there. He causes us to sin. And he keeps us busy. Which one of those three areas is he winning in in your life right now? Write them down. Because he's going to come with those. And you're saying, well, but thanks, but I'm actually okay. Be aware. Peter writes himself in 1 Peter 5. He says, the enemy is the lion. He's, he's roaming. He's roaring around. He will come. He will keep coming. Be aware of those three things that he comes and tries to mess up your life in. Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says, guys, when you, when you ride your motorbike, don't worry about the helmet. Yeah, put it on. Put your bicycle helmets on. But put the helmet of salvation on. Put the weapons of warfare on when you wake up in the morning. And you get out of your bed and you put the pink slippers on or your nice flip-flops. Put on the, the, the shoes of peace. Jesus, I don't know what my day holds, but I put on your peace today. Your helmet of salvation, God, you've saved me. Your breastplate of righteousness, I'm made righteous when I stand in your eyes. I hold up my shield of faith today. I'm trusting in faith that you will be with me today. I take the sword of the spirit, the Bible, I hold it up today. Belt of truth, I stand for what's true today, God. Put on your, your, your weapons of warfare, because the devil comes with those three things. He will keep coming, and he will keep coming. So those are the schemes of Satan. Number two, let's have a look at the sin of the saints. Christians, another word for Christians. What was the sin that Ananias and Sapphira actually did in, in this situation? Guys, was it greed? Ah, maybe I, I, want the, I, want, I want some money for myself. Was it greed? Was it theft? Because ah, they said they're going to give everything but then they actually kept back some. Yeah, may, maybe it was theft. You know what their sin was? The, their sin was that they lied to God. They robbed God of the glory that he meant to get. That was the problem. They wanted the glory for themselves. They wanted people to say, wow, you're amazing. You're incredible. They wanted the same glory just like Barney got. And there's one word for that. You know what it is? Hypocrisy. Because we, we say one thing, but in yeah, there's, there's another thing. We, we want people to think that we are more spirit, that, that we're more spiritual than what we actually are. It's called hypocrisy. That was their sin. You know what motivates people who are hypocrites? Pride. Pride motivates people who are hypocrites. The thing that God hates, he says, I detest pride. I hate pride. And arrogance. And the devil whispers softly to Ananias and Sapphira. You want some of that glory? Like Barney. Yeah, you can have it. Just, just, give, just give half. They won't know. You, you don't have to do what you promised God. He comes in with, with that whisper. And it's so appealing. And it's so tempting. And they scheme, okay, let's, let's tell them that we bring in the full amount. But we get to have some of it for ourselves. And of course, their spiritual barometers are in the red. Woo! Look at us, such good Christians. And they can't resist this temptation. And so the saints, the Christians, give in 
to the schemes of Satan. And Peter says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? It's quiet in here today. I read a quote about what pride is. You got it for us, G. This is what it says. Not that one. It says, pride opens the door. Maybe we'll get it. Thank you, my brother. Pride opens the door to every other sin. For once we are more concerned with our reputation than with our character, there's no end to the things we will do just to make ourselves look good before others. You want to screenshot that? Because it's true. And I think we need to examine our hearts. Because, leave it on G, because before I read that, I didn't think I had a problem with pride. But when I read that, I started to look within myself. And I had to ask myself this question. Am I living for the praise of God like Barnabas? Or am I living for the praise of man like Ananias and drop dead gorgeous Sapphira? Whose praise are you, are you living for? Someone said, are you living for the audience of one? Or are you living for the audience of everyone? The audience of one, God, are you living for his praise? God wants to shape my character and your character, sir. And he wants to shape your character, ma'am, so that he gets the glory. Number one. The schemes of Satan, copy-paste, they'll never stop. And number two, he wants the saints, he wants you and me, the Christians, to sin. But number three, we have the cleansing of Christ. This is a very strange event that happens, eh, guys? I've never understood it up until this week when I've started to study it. It's an exception. And if we think of our lives, I don't know about you, I'm very grateful that it's an exception. Because if being a hypocrite and full of pride was met with drop down dead, I wouldn't be preaching here today. And I wonder how full the hall would actually be today if pride and hypocrisy was met with drop down dead. I would be dead. I mean, we come to church on a Sunday and we sing songs with the word, I surrender, I surrender all. Do I? Because all means everything. Do we? Do we surrender everything? But if I keep singing, ah, surrender, people will think, ah, that guy's amazing. He surrenders his whole life to Jesus. He surrenders all he has. Are we living for his glory or for man's glory? God hates it. And he judges it very, very severely as we've just read here. This sin taking place in the brand new church that he has busy putting together right from the beginning. He says, I will not tolerate this in my church. Right from the beginning, he's giving us a warning of what he doesn't want to happen in his church. And, and I bet when you're asking, when, when you read this question, you're asking like me, why did they die? I mean, it's so harsh. 
It is. It's an obvious question to ask. Why did they die? But there's a theologian. His name's J.D. Gear. He comments about this. You got it, G. He says, if we were honest, many of us find God's actions here very offensive. It's like, no ways, God, you can't do that. But that merely reveals our ignorance of our sin and God's holiness. And we shouldn't ask the question, why did they die? Instead, we should ask, why do we remain alive? That's the proper question. How come I still remain alive? Gav, how come my family, your family, we, we still remain alive? God gives us a warning. In 1 Corinthians 10, he says, these type of things that you've read about today happened to them as examples for you. It's a warning so that we will not crave evil things just like Ananias and gorgeous Sapphira. So if you think that you're standing firm, be careful, Daryl. Careful, because you too may fall. That's the warning. Be careful that you too don't fall and drop down dead. So what are we going to do as a church of believers here? Let me tell you what the youth, the Joy for Jesus guys have had to do the last couple of weeks on a Friday night. If you're in high school, you're missing out. It's incredible. We hire this coffee shop near the land that God has given us. But there's been this incredible stench coming from the kitchen through one of the air extractor fans. And so every Friday we'll get there and it's absolutely awful. And so Katie and some of the team leaders, they'll, they'll stand up in the kitchen. What do you oaks do? Show us there what you do there. Just stand up and give us a go there. Show us what you do there. But like spray a lot like that. Yeah. That's what they do. You check that thing. Spray some more. Yeah. Okay, sit down. Okay, and then we'll have a great youth and the smell's not too bad. Next Friday, my goodness, we come, we've forgotten. Oh, yeah, we got the smell again. Heck. So Katie and the team stand up again to spray a bit more. We'll do it again. Next Friday, comes up again and they're there. And they're giving it a go. Shot, girls, you're a champion. You know what we actually need to do? We need to phone the owner and say, listen, my butt, can you please come? And can you open up the extractor fan? And can you get up in there? And can you have a look at what is causing this incredible stench that is coming through? This, this coffee shop that, that's, that's happening every single Friday night. Freedom Church, listen to me. We have to ask the owner, Jesus Christ, to come into his church and find the source of what is actually causing the stench inside of his church. And he's got to remove that. He's giving us a warning. He says, I do not want this in my church. I will not tolerate this in my church. Now, I'm not cross. I'm actually scared because what is stopping us as a family in this school hall? Paul, you're going to go back to Germany and in five years' time you'll hear how Freedom Church is going. Oh, has this stuff crept into this bride of Christ? What's going to stop us from going down the same way as many other churches where Jesus is not the center? And we're not allowing him, the owner, to take this out of us. Oh, but we're spraying stuff here. We're keeping things okay here. No, no. He wants to remove it. We've got to allow him to remove it. And you're so perfect standing here, Daryl. No, I'm the water boy. I'm one step away. What are we going to do, Freedom Church? These things can so easily creep into the church. 
This is a warning for us. They dropped down dead. They never had a chance to say goodbye. Some people would argue, oh, they weren't Christians. Yes, they were. They were believers. They had faith. They made it into heaven, but by the skin of their teeth. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says they just escaped the flames, but they made it into heaven. Their faith was real. But you know what, guys? It's not just about salvation. Oh, I'm saved. I gave my life to the Lord when I went to that funeral. It's about a process. It's about working out. It's, it's a word high grade called sanctification. You like that word, Colin. It's a process. We work out our salvation. You train for comrades, you work it out. It doesn't just happen. You don't have to work for your salvation. Jesus worked for your salvation when he went to the cross and he died on the grave, on the cross. He worked for your salvation. We work at our salvation. It's a process that we work. It's like being married. Michelle and I saw a couple on Wednesday. They were telling us how they're working out their marriage so that they're able to stay married when the kids leave home. You work out your marriage as the years go by. It's the same as your salvation, your relationship with Jesus. And when you give your life to Jesus, every aspect of your life starts changing. Your work, your marriage, your kids, your thought life. They didn't have a chance to lay treasures in heaven, Ananias and Sapphira, I don't think, my opinion. Because they made it in by the skin of their teeth. You and I have a warning so that we can start laying treasures in heaven the way we live. Verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. How's this? Hugo, it says, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly respected by the people. No one else dared come to church. You know, as a team, we've been thinking over and over, what is the culture? What is Freedom Church going to be actually all about? Do we want people to come and sit on a nice, comfortable chair? And when it's cold in winter, we can have the, the, air, the, the warm heaters on. And when it's hot, well, then let's give them the air con. Let's preach a message on a Sunday that is going to bring them back because it's what they want to hear. No one else dared join them. Tyler, say, I'm not going back. I'm just using you as an example, but no one else dared join him, even though they were highly respected by the people. Imagine being that church where, where no one actually thinks, I'm going to go back. It's quite deep. Eh? It's quite, no one else dared join them. Who would have thought? Because it says, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That is unbelievable. When God is in it, people will come to experience the power of the gospel. Amen? You know what Ananias' name means? God is merciful. You think, God, are you really merciful that, that you struck them down dead? God is merciful because you and I are still here this morning. Church is full of it, friends. What are we going to do today? We're going to spray like the youth on the Friday night. Oh, let's just try and water it down. Let's just pretend it's not there. Or are we, we going to allow the owner 
Jesus Christ to start working in our hearts and remove something that he never wanted to be in his church in the first place. God is busy building a church here in this school hall. If you're going to be part of it, and again, there's no pressure, open up your heart to him and say, God, work in my heart so that you get the glory. I want to live a life for the audience of one. Do you, Tracy? Do you, Mark? Ah, surrender. Tomorrow morning? If you've been challenged with me, then pray this prayer with me from your hearts. Thank you that we get to live our lives, God. Thank you that we woke up this morning and we opened our eyes when the alarm went off. And we took a breath and we have life. And sometimes my reputation becomes more important than wanting to give you glory, God. We want to be a church. We want to live lives that are not going to shut up for you. We want our lives to represent our coach, Jesus Christ. We desire God to live bold lives. Please protect us from the evil one. These schemes that want to cause us to sin and not live the way you intended us to be in the position that you intended us to play in. your mercy on us God we need your mercy much grace much mercy a church of integrity what does that mean I don't know because we fail at it God but may we may we long may we have a desire to be a church of integrity where your power not man's power where your power and where your authority is supreme as you choose not as we choose, but as you choose to grow your church. In Jesus' name.